Welcome to Intersect Where Church Meets Culture. I'm Josh Desch, the lead pastor at Northeast Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina, and I am joined as always by my wife, the hopeful Betsy. Hey, everybody. Hey there, Bets. You are filled with hope. Hope is one of the more beautiful uh, Christian descriptions that I think we find in the Bible. It is, definitely. And we are called to always have hope, aren't we? Yes. And, and to not be people who are constantly negative and constantly cynical and constantly down on everything, but That's people right. who, who trust that we serve a big God mm-hmm. who does big things. Well, it's good to be hopeful, folks. I uh, chose that for a reason because the title of today's episode is When Famous Christians Fall. When Famous Christians Fall. Mm-hmm. And we do need to have hope because uh, this has always been the case, but it seems like it's accelerating when people who are very well-known, people with a big following, fall into sin, uh, leave their ministry, leave their platform. And some leave the faith. Some leave the faith. I don't mm-hmm. know how many of those we'll get into today. Right. But especially what really prompted us to think about this topic, Bets, was the recent uh, scandal of Ravi Zacharias. Yes. And um, our point is not to in any way sort of revel in sin or people's downfall. Or I, I know there are some that sort of delight. What's in, that term? Schoit, schwadenfre- sh- schwadenfre- that's so, oh, schadenfreude. <laughs> is that it? Schadenfreude, yes, the German <laughs> word. Our, it's a fun our, word. Our point is not to, you know, there are some people out there who love to say, we love it when wealthy, famous people are brought down, right? Mm-hmm, like, right. you know, but that's not our point at all. It's rather to say, what what is this revealing about the health of the evangelical church in America, mm-hmm. and and what should our response be as believers um, when we see people like Ravi Zacharias fall? Mm-hmm. Now, Ravi is not the only one that has been in the news recently. Uh, the pastor of Hillsong in New York City, mm-hmm. who is a guy named Carl Lentz, um, he recently left his church after a lot of scandal came out. Mm-hmm. Huge cultural reach. Huge cultural reach. I mean, he had uh, Justin Bieber and a lot of NBA players that would periodically go to his church. Mm-hmm. Huge following on social media. Huge following on social media. Um, another one that's maybe not quite as well known as him, but maybe in some circles, there's a pastor named James McDonald who started the Harvest Bible Chapel movement. Mm-hmm. Um, out of Chicago. Out of Chicago, yep. And th- this guy had really sort of founded a, a denomination in a lot of ways. Also the teaching podcast or series called Walking in the Word. Walking in the Word. Mm-hmm. He was featured on hundreds, maybe even thousands of radio stations uh, with his ministry. And he had a pretty nasty uh, breakup with his church. Uh, his elders basically you know, said, you're not qualified for ministry anymore. Very mm-hmm. ugly. Mm-hmm abusive leadership situation there. So you can read about uh, and you can you can follow all these things, but the point is, and of course, if we go back a little bit more, we have Bill Hybels, which I believe yes. was, Bill Hybels in many ways is credited with creating the mega church. Hmm. Like Willow Willow Creek is sort of considered the, the what started the mega church movement hmm. in a lot of ways. Hmm. And if you want to go back even a few years before that, there was a guy named Mark Driscoll yep. who had started this really um, successful, large, large church in Seattle. And he was a superstar because Seattle is as liberal and secular, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. our that's sort of our stereotypes. And he had really blown up 
and had this large church, uh, especially people in the Calvinist Reformed world knew of him, and mm-hmm. he was Reformed in, in his teaching. So but, for James McDonald and, and Mark Driscoll, this their end, if you want to call it that, end in ministry came from, like you said, an abusive leadership um, style where they were very harsh and... Um, real cutthroat, which you don't think of in ministry. No. Yeah, but behind the scenes, there was something else going on, and people who opposed them were silenced, and a lot of horrible things went on at um, at their churches and on their elder boards. And then Carl Lentz and Bill Hybels were both um, sexual they both sin. Had, yeah, sexual yep. sin. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, so what we've seen is we've we've seen this recent uh, fall of these these men who had these really large platforms. One thing I think, Bets, that's worth saying from the beginning is pastors and ministry leaders have, have always fallen, I'm sure, throughout the history of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it, are we in some kind of epidemic right now? Or are we in some kind of worse moment right now? I don't know, to be, mm-hmm. to, to be totally honest. Maybe. We might be. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. true that we might be. It wouldn't surprise me if we are because of the power of celebrity, mm-hmm. which is what we're going to get to in a little bit. Um, but also, even even if there's not, in terms of just raw data, more people falling, it's certainly way more public than it ever was in the past, yes, right? right. Well, so again, social media has contributed to all of that when um, these some of these guys built platforms on social media, but also you just hear about stuff through Facebook, through you know the different social media platforms. You're hearing about stuff that you wouldn't have heard about before, maybe in a newspaper, maybe. Yeah, but. yeah. So, so what we want to talk about today for for a few minutes here is um, sort of how do we respond to these things? And I thought I thought before we get into a response, we could sort of just talk about um, how has this whole culture emerged? Um, because Bets, I think it's safe to say that we are in a celebrity pastor slash ministry leader culture right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I would want to say from the onset that is not a bad thing overall. Um, not, that is not an inherently bad thing necessarily in the sense that you might have somebody whose writings and teachings have really influenced you. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think for, for both of us, I know for me specifically, I'd say the ministry of Tim Keller has had a very big impact on me. Sure. I think you'd say the same thing, Beth. Absolutely. Um, another person that's impacted you, Nancy Lee DeMoss is someone Mm -hmm. who has a large following and I know she has a new last name now that it didn't, that <laughs> didn't, okay. it didn't quite get right, but she's married now. Um, but there, there are other, uh, uh, I bet most of our listeners would point to uh, different Christian leaders who have had a significant influence on their life, right? Mm-hmm, definitely. And that's not inherently bad, but what we've seen is, what we've seen uh, specifically, I'd say over the last 10 or 20 years, is uh, more and more we see people uh, ministry people almost sort of taking on a celebrity persona. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not all about social media, that, that, but that clearly contributes where um, you see their whole lives, you see their families, you see, uh, you see the clothes they wear, you see uh, all of this stuff, and these, these figures can kind of become larger than life. Mm-hmm. Lots of writing, lots of books, lots of speaking. And, and again, it's not all bad that these things are available to us but what has happened is clearly clearly we now have sort of a celebrity culture mm-hmm. with these different ministry leaders. Yep. So that's the first so that's kind of how we've gotten here. And then you think about well how does it always work when people are at the top? 
the higher you get, the harder accountability becomes. Mm -hmm. And also the harder it gets to have people around you who will tell you hard things. That's right. And the less likely you may be, um, you know, the less likely it may be that people who oppose you will have an audience. Yeah. That's right. To, to just look at uh, one example, uh, one thing about Ravi Zacharias, I know that w- uh, one of his daughters was basically sort of the president of the organization. Mm-hmm. And then he had multiple family members on his board so uh, you can you can just see the entanglements there. Yeah, for any readers who don't know um, the situation with Ravi Zacharias, who has passed away, you want to just give a real quick yep. quick recap of that situation. Sure, Ravi Zacharias uh, is an internationally known apologist. In other words, he is someone who speaks and writes about defending the faith, um, specifically bringing answers to objections that atheists would have, skeptics would have. Mm-hmm. And he really had an international ministry. I mean, the name of his ministry was Ravi Zacharias International Ministry, had a ministry all over the world, actually had offices in different parts of the world, London, America. The The headquarters of the ministry was in Atlanta. Hmm. Well, um, he died of cancer, and uh, the Christian world was was really sort of mourning and celebrating his life when these allegations began to come out. I think some of them had come out before he died. Some of them had come out before he died, and there were some things that had been quietly settled through the courts mm-hmm. and, uh, of course, involved a non-disclosure agreement. But afterwards, um, when more and more allegations, you know, a lot of times how these things work is at first they're quiet, and then it sort of gets to a point where you just can't Nobody reasonable can deny that mm-hmm. there's something that has to be checked out here. Yeah, more right? and more women came forward saying, I was That's assaulted right. by That's Ravi right. Zacharias. Or, That's right. Yeah. And so then finally his organization hired an outside law firm to do a, really a forensic uh, third-party deep dive and really sadly confirmed um, so much of, of what people feared mm-hmm. uh, that he really he was a sexual predator and he, he had been engaged in bad behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and this was so shocking to so many who had benefited from his ministry, who loved his ministry, and of course that's such a hard thing to reconcile with somebody who the Lord is using. That's right. Yeah, I would say not just bad behavior, but abhorrent. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. And I'm, I guess yeah. maybe I'm trying to avoid going into the details yes, right. of what he did. Yeah, you that's can, not why we're here. <laughs> you can Google that stuff. Yeah. But, you know... I. Maybe I can share some thoughts mm-hmm. that uh, I had originally shared in a post I had done, but would like to share some of these thoughts here on the podcast mm-hmm. about how we can make sense of uh, the fall of Christian celebrities and what our response can be. Mm-hmm. And the first thing, Bets, I want to highlight is that um, God can advance the gospel even though voices and ministries of those who uh, aren't even through the voices and ministries of, of those who are not walking with him. Hmm. Um, we see this in Philippians chapter 1, and, and that's no excuse for sin, but um, at one point Paul says sort of, whether all I care about is that Christ is preached, mm-hmm. whether some do it for gain or some do it for the right reasons. And it's kind of a shocking statement when you hear Paul say that. Paul, how can you say it's okay if people are preaching Jesus for the wrong motivations? And here's the answer. It's okay because the power is in the word and it's in the gospel. It's not in the speaker. Mm. That's how Paul is able to say that. Mm. 
Um, now, if, if someone is teaching falsehood, if they're not teaching the truth of the gospel, that's one thing. But Paul's point is, if the true gospel is being proclaimed, if the word of God is being set in front of people, God can choose to still use that in a powerful way because the power is not tied to the person, it's tied to the message. Mm. And I would say that's so important for us to remember because um, one of the things that we wrestle with is these speakers, these writers, they're so anointed, they have such a gift, Um, the world needs them so badly, when the truth is, God doesn't need anybody. Mm -hmm. And God could use anybody, I mean, he could use the most inarticulate, uh, not equipped speaker to change the world. Oh, wait a second, he has, his name was Moses. Hmm. Um, Moses had a speech, almost... uh, Guaranteed he had speech impediment. Mm-hmm. Probably, I think that's a very interesting fact about Moses. Probably had a speech impediment. Well, the, the Lord calls him. Mm-hmm. And throughout the scriptures, we see, we see God calling the people that we wouldn't expect. And so we need to remember that when we are sort of so drawn to uh, those who are the most talented and those who seem to have the best speaking gifts, and increasingly today, those who look the best, mm-hmm. right? True, yeah. <laughs> have the best hair. Pretty people. Pretty people uh-huh. have the have the most stylish clothes, mm-hmm. the best uh, shoes, the best shoes. Yes. Remember preachers and sneakers. Preachers and sneakers. Maybe That's on Instagram. That's that another is, episode. <laughs> yes, uh, many pastors are uh, celebrity pastors. I shouldn't say pastors. Many celebrity mega church pastors now wear shoes that are basically a person's mortgage payment each mm-hmm. month. Yeah. Um, that's a whole nother thing. That's a whole nother thing. <laughs> but folks, it's happening. Yeah. But what we need to remember is. Um, as hard as this may be for us to, and and God may, certainly he may choose to not use a person that's um, not walking with him through Mm -hmm. the preaching of his word, but he can use a person who's not walking with him because the powers in the word is in the gospel, it's not in the person. Hmm. Right, Bets? Yeah. Um, Another thing I I want to um, remember here, I, I think that we need to put forward is that, um, the issue is, is it, is it the fact that we have celebrities? Yes, that's part of it. But what we really need to get at here is the way that we revere celebrities and we don't insist on them having accountability. Mm-hmm. So if, yep. if God gives you a great platform, then you don't have to instantly deny that platform and say, I don't want, to have any, I don't want anyone to know who I am. I'm going to hide out. I'm going to just preach to tiny crowds I'm gonna but rather you need to have real accountability mm-hmm. uh, in your life and you know sometimes I think Billy Graham is kind of almost made fun of for his rule you remember the Billy Graham rule mm-hmm. you know he wouldn't get in an elevator with uh, a, another woman mm-hmm. and and whether or not that is the right thing for every man you know pastors have different mindsets some pastors will counsel women um you know, at least for a few sessions without another person present, other pastors won't. So, but the point is, let's admire the fact that Billy Graham took accountability seriously. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there is any evidence of any kind of misconduct in Billy Graham's life. And whatever that accountability looks like, um, all leaders need it. But how much more do celebrity leaders need it? Mm -hmm. Because again, think about the, the, all the, the temptations that they face that, um, 
is just a heightened degree of what of what regular Christians would face, or yes. what less known Christians, or I should gr- say. just greater access to things that you know other people may not struggle with, just because that the opportunities aren't available to you. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Another thing I would add, Bets, is I think people that God gives a platform really need to seek to build institutions and mm. not build their name. Mm. So you know, um, people have to think about what is going to be there when I'm gone. And I wasn't planning on saying this, but God's just putting it on my heart right now. I think about the church that I have the privilege of leading and the way our founding pastor at our church built the church so it wasn't about him. Mm. Mm-hmm. And when he retired, the whole church didn't fall apart, mm. <laughs> even with me leading it. Um, <laughs> it didn't fall apart. In fact, it has remained so strong because our founding pastor didn't make it about him. Mm. He wanted it to be about the church, about the institution, about uh, the body of believers here on this campus. And um, to me, some of the saddest falls I have seen is when a pastor um, leaves the ministry and the whole church falls apart. Mm-hmm. Literally, the, the Mark Driscoll, when his church, when he left his church, a church of 14,000 people was no longer, it didn't exist within like a month. Mm. I mean, it's absolutely astounding. When you think about that, um, and who knows all the reasons for that, I'm not going to make it just about him, but we need to be building institutions mm-hmm. that are not about us. That's about the mission of the institution, yep. right? Yep. W- whether that's to whether that's to be an apologetics organization, whether that's to be a local church, whether that's to be a ministry for um, the homeless or or the uh, disenfranchised or whatever it is. The ministry can't be about us. Well, and that speaks to the need that we all have to invest in other people, not just, you know, to invest and equip other people with um, the gifts that God has given us. So not only do you have um, a legacy that outlives you, which is so amazing, but you also are trying not to make it about you. That's right. That's right. I, I think the biggest thing of all, though, is that we don't make anyone our hero but Jesus. Amen. And this is hard. We're human beings. Um, We see other people. We see our contemporaries. And it can be hard to not feel like, wow, that person. You know, sometimes Jesus can feel abstract to us. Right, Betts? Mm -hmm. Like he's not a real person. I mean, he's God. He's up in heaven. And um, we can almost uh, make Jesus so distant from us that Mm -hmm. he's no longer... uh, not just our Savior, our God, our Lord, but also our hero, the one that we aspire to be like Him Mm. and not like anyone else. And one of the subtle dangers of this um, celebrity culture that we're in is that these folks can become heroes. Mm -hmm. And we have to ask ourselves, when somebody falls, um, that should certainly disappoint us and grieve us, but um, it shouldn't affect us on the level of make us question the faith or something like that Mm -hmm. because... It was never about that person. That's right. Right. It was about mm-hmm. it was about the word of God. Yep. Has the word of God failed? Has the gospel ceased to be true? No, none of those things. Yep. So, um, Bets, I want to give a couple of suggestions on things that Christians should do in response to the celebrity Christian culture we live in, and in response to when celebrity uh, or famous Christians fall. Okay. The first is to recognize that we live in this culture. Mm-hmm. to recognize that um, we live in a culture that has elevated Christian leaders and to some degree there are going to be some Christian leaders 
who do not have a healthy relationship with their platform. And we need to really consider whether or not we want to be people that are invested in their ministries. Hmm. Um, if, if someone's is using the platform primarily to promote themselves and not Jesus and his kingdom, uh, then we need to be very careful about who are we investing in mm-hmm. and why are we investing in them? So that would be one thing. The next thing I would want to talk about is shop local. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't, don't you love it when you see signs talk about shop local? I do. Go I to the talk. local coffee shop. Yep. Pick local blackberries or Absolutely. apples. Or don't you want to pick strawberries in? Yeah, I strawberries. I really, really do. Um, yeah. Shop local. Here, here's what I mean. I, I think that we really need to pour most of our lives, most of our energy, most of our time, into the local church that mm-hmm. God has called us to be a part. Yep. This is so important. For 99% of us, your pastor and your pastors are not going to be famous. Your pastor and your pastors are not going to write books. They're not going to have this huge social media following. They are just faithfully trying to serve the Lord, be the shepherd of the flock, and make their voice, their shepherding voice, the voice that you listen to, the voice that you um, hold yourself accountable to let them be the the, the chief under shepherds in your life hmm. in your life hmm. you know it is it's not healthy when um, I make John MacArthur or Tim Keller or or you name the the famous celebrity pastor when when it's like I treat them like they're my local pastor and I'm constantly consuming all this all these resources from them but they're not they don't know my name. Hmm. They don't pray for me. I don't have a relationship with them. And so am I saying we can't benefit from those people? No, of course not. But we've got to disattach ourselves from our, and recognize um, we live in the celebrity culture. Part of the reason celebrity culture is so big is we think we know these celebrities that we follow on social media. We think we're really in their lives. We mm-hmm. think we have a, we don't have a relationship with them. But guess what? Your pastor's, who you physically see on Sunday, who are going to be there for you when you're in the hospital, those are the people that we need to invest in. Hmm. Those are those should be the primary voices of, of spiritual guidance in our lives. Now, I know you're not saying that we should all throw out our John Piper books or our um, Tim Keller, as you said. I can't throw um, out Tim Keller books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how do we... So what what are you saying is is the the right role for um, for the voices in our life that we aren't really connected to, but we respect and admire them as Christian leaders because that's a good thing. That's a great question. Yeah. So um, I'm not saying that we should never read those books mm-hmm. or or listen to those sermons, but am I fully invested in my local church? I would even go this far. Am I going to listen to the sermon that the the pastor preached at my church? before I go to the next sermon that of the preacher that I love. You sound like you care about this. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> okay, this is a little self-interested here. It's a little here. personal. Sure, it is a little bit personal. But you, but you know what? Every local pastor out there is like, yes, please. Um, are, are we going to let them be that chief shepherding voice in our lives and allow these other voices to be supplemental? Sure. Not that they can't be there, but let them be supplemental in our lives, yes, they're going to support us. And yes, we're going to read their books and do book studies on them and so forth. 
But I, I guess the real question is, are you fully invested in your local church? Mm-hmm. And if you are invested in your local church, then, hey, great, then um, make your life richer through the things, the podcasts you listen to on, on a run or a drive or whatever it is. But I think the real question is, are you really invested in your local church? Mm-hmm. A couple other comments here, Bets. First of all, I want to I answer a question, okay? Some folks might be wondering, uh, a pastor who falls, okay, if he repents and returns, can we follow him again? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I would say is, absolutely, if there is good evidence of repentance, then there's no reason why um, we can't continue to benefit from someone's ministry. The first thing I would say is this, repentance should not be judged by emotion. A person can cry for 10 hours a day for a month straight. It should be judged by action. It should be judged by does the person demonstrate a real track record of turning from the sin? Do they have accountability? And if they do, uh, I absolutely believe that ministry leaders can be restored. But it does. But it's but it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's painful. There needs to be a season when they're not in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. See, that's a huge way. I, I see this a lot with some of the folks that we've mentioned never got away from the spotlight. Mm-hmm. They left their ministries. And they started somewhere They else. popped up. It's like whack-a-mole a month later. Mm-hmm. Hey, I've got this ministry going over here. And you're saying, how did you wrestle with the Lord at all? That's right. I know that financially you didn't need to be back in ministry right away because I know that you're you're absolutely taken care of because of your platform financially. So could you have taken a couple years even to, to be in counseling to get... Res- and maybe never be fit and, for ministry again. That's true. Yeah. That's true, but absolutely, I believe that a person can be restored and go mm-hmm. to different ministry. Um, there is a famous example of this. Um, I wish I had more than one, but um, James, uh, I'm sorry, um, the guy who wrote Ordering Your Private World. Oh, um, Jim McDonald. Gordon McDonald. Gordon McDonald. If you read about his life, I won't go into it now because we're coming up on time. He's an example of somebody who came back. He came back better than ever. Of course, if you really do come back, you're going to that thing that brought you down is always going to be part of your ministry. Mm -hmm. You're always going to be saying, that's always going to be part of your grace story of how God brought you out. Mm -hmm. Um, Just a couple final points here, Bets. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church, not I will build my pastors. Mm. We need a revival of our understanding of the church. And when I started this, you know, I use the adjective hopeful to talk about you. I am hopeful, Bets, that... What might come out of some of this is more and more Christians saying, I need to shop local. I need to put less of my spiritual health invested in in some of these big names. Um, We didn't even talk about the conference circuit. There's a huge Mm -hmm. conference circuit with Christians. And again, I wouldn't say going to a conference is, is bad or anything like that, but there can be some that maybe that kind of becomes their church. Um, if, if what comes out of this is people having a greater investment in the local church, I think the kingdom of God will be healthier than it was before. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bets, what have you been reading recently? Uh, well, right now on my Kindle, I have a book called On Guard, Defending Your Faith with Reason and Precision. This is by um, the author William Lane Craig. I know we've talked about him before on this podcast. He's like a philosopher, theologian, or something. And um, he's probably never appeared on Preachers and Sneakers. <laughs> Not even once. That's really funny. No, I don't think so. I don't get that sense. That's an Instagram handle, by the way. It is. For anybody y'all, wants to it's look really it up. funny. 
um, and kind of sad. But um, anyway, this is a great book. He So, you know, he's operating on a higher plane than most people. This is supposed to be a book for laymen, but um, what I, I was reading last night, and he cracked himself up with this joke about how the past could not be infinite. And I was like, oh, what does this even mean? I don't even know. But anyway, it was funny. Um, so it's a great book. It's um, Right now he's just talking about the how the universe had to have a cause and, you know, all of these different um, things that come up in questions about metaphysics and, and all of this kind of thing. So it's very interesting and I feel like very relevant today as we see, as we see just more and more people questioning the faith or questioning religion in general. Um, it's actually a very practical book and, you know, deeper than most people would, would, would go necessarily. Like most people aren't asking a question exactly like that, but it's so important for us to really have a firm understanding of what our faith rests on. And so it's a good book. Great. So this book is helping you become more rooted in your faith. Absolutely. Giving you a, a more mm-hmm. firm foundation. Yep. Just to know Christianity is rational. It's not a crazy leap in the dark like you believe in Santa or something else. You know, it's it's a very rational thing to believe. Yep. And you know what? I think I want to end by saying, uh, there but I go, the grace of God. Mm-hmm. We are all um, fallen sinners saved That's by right. the blood of Jesus. That's and right. we all need him every day. We all need accountability. We all need the church. We all need the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, help us to honor you, keep your church strong, mm-hmm. and we hope you will join us next time on Intersect Bets. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So, guys, if uh, if you're looking for us, we are on. Uh, we do have a Facebook page, Intersect Podcast. So we just post some stuff now and again, and um, just keep up on current episodes and that kind of thing. We would love to have you join us. And as always, if you would um, rate, review, and subscribe on uh, your podcast app, whatever that may be, we would appreciate it. We'll see you next time.